everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we've operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system, in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday Injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Sacramento Area Attorney Mark Reichel. Welcome to our show. A pleasure to be here. So it should be an interesting year in Sacramento, don't you think? You know, it seems like uh, that's accurate. It was a pretty interesting year last year. And then 2020 was really, really interesting. But I, I agree with you. I think it's more of a crescendo that this is really going to be the year. So, so um, let's start with the DA's race. Uh, what are you hearing? Uh, what's your take on it so far? Well, it's interesting. I think it's a big contrast. So uh, the current, you know, the current selection by the DA's office, uh, Tian Ho, is a, a really good person. is a is a is a fine gentleman and a very smart lawyer, but is I think it's very clear that he plans to continue full steam ahead, the same as the last couple of administrations. It's a very law and order, tough on crime kind of approach. And, um, you know, I think all the policies, all of the um, priorities, all of the prosecutions, gangs, guns, drugs, the same thing, it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be exactly the same, possibly even, uh, possibly even more potent. So um, that's what you have. I mean, that's one side. And then, of course, there's the candidate hardly support, which is Alana Matthews, is a progressive science-based candidate. Because, you know, I don't know, 100 years later in this country, we still think that tough on crime means something when in reality, uh, you know, it doesn't end crime. It's just tough on criminals. It's tough on criminals, and that's it. And crime continues to go up, and, you know, criminal activity remains the same or goes up more and more and more because the root causes of criminality are never addressed. Instead, you know, we just keep sending more and more people to prison for longer and longer sentences. And we get more and more crime and we keep scratching our heads saying, wow, I can't figure out why that doesn't work. But, you know, the definition of insanity is is going to be employed by one candidate for the DA's office in Sacramento. And then the the answer to that insanity, to end that insanity, is going to be a different candidate. That's Alana Matthews, in my opinion. So we're kind of starting to see, you know, a pushback against some of the reforms, even though in a lot of places we haven't even seen any reforms. Um, are you getting that kind of sense in, in Sacramento or do you feel like this is the year that uh, there will be some reform? I think the people, I think the people, I think the progressives need to push back against the pushback. Uh, nothing ever comes easy, obviously. And, you know, there's, it's what sells papers and what gets clicks and you know what what sells a lot of papers in peoria so to speak is what what matters and so i don't know if there's that much pushback against you know the progressive approach i mean they're always they always you know it wasn't popular 
with it wasn't popular within law enforcement or the DA's ranks or you know any kind of capitalist business model that looks at it you know progressive you know progressive uh, prosecution has never been popular so it did get installed as you know in several places you know of Los Angeles and San Francisco and immediately all you kept hearing about was was the pushback was the pushback you know well that was to be expected it's not like people were happy with it anyway it's like inter- it's like the New York Times interviewing white Trump supporters in Nebraska during the Biden you know administration saying you know are you unhappy well, what do you think you know I mean yeah their answer is going to be yes and it's no big surprise that they are so um, I'm not a big believer that there's a big pushback against the progressive cause because it wasn't even given a chance to start you know so we start talking about and amplifying and you know discussing the pushback you know like you said before anything progressive really gets started and you know that's it's going to take a while so any kind of any kind of wholesale change to the criminal justice system socio you know economically you know and demographically is going to take some real time because it took so much time to get where we're at so to try to reverse things and make a more free and just society is also going to take a long period of time and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get that much time before people start tapping their fingers on the table thing. We have been waiting here for almost six months for this change. So we had Alana Matthews on uh, a few weeks ago on this show, um, had a chance to talk to her a little bit. Uh, what's your sense for her? She is an amazing candidate um, on her own, regardless of uh, her cause. Uh, she's very intelligent. She's very savvy. She's very open-minded. She's very science-based. And, um, you know, she's so pleasing, yet she's so firm in her resolve. She's got a great backstory. And then I am, you know, obviously a big, big supporter of her cause, which is, you know, science-based, you know, fact-based solutions to crime. And so it is 2022. You know, it is California. You know, to be pretending like it's 1950s Nebraska, you know, because we're Sacramento and we're not San Francisco or Los Angeles, uh, you know, doesn't sit well with me. And I thought, you know, the definition of progress is going forward, not backward. And so, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Atlanta's. I think she has a very good chance. Uh, And that's uniquely to her, not to the cause necessarily. I don't know if a progressive prosecutor would necessarily always win in Sacramento nowadays. Um, Look at historically, we just keep going for the, you know, Trump supporting Republicans like, you know, the current DA was. And, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, we're selecting a Trump Republican for the DA. Um, I don't think progressive DAs are going to win that easily, but it's a tribute to Alana because she is very, I think she, she participates in a very big tent and um, she has a very strong work ethic and she can make people see that what she says makes sense. Um, and you know, what, what's your sense for Anne-Marie Schubert? Well, you know, I see she's running for the attorney. She's running for AG as an independent. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. I just think that a Democrat's going to win the vote-rich Southern California. You know, Bonta may not be the most well-known or the most popular politician at all. But when it comes down to it, you know, there are a lot. There are millions and millions and millions of votes in L.A., and I know that, uh, you know, the Democrat usually is pro-labor and, you know, gets those votes through the machine down there. Um, and Amory is going to probably run in a way on a one, you know, one issue, I, which seems to be that, you know, she was involved in the East Area Rapist case and uh, getting the arrest on the East Area Rapist case. And um, 
I, I think that's going to be something that she uses a lot. And, you know, I mean, I don't really think, you know, I don't think that's enough to go forward on and, and vote for an attorney general candidate based on that. Well, we just ran a story on her because a judge granted um, their their motion to uh, basically stay the uh, CDCR's uh, early, early release for second strikers. Uh, did you see that at all? Yeah, I did. I actually saw that and I read that. And, um, you know, it's grandstanding of politics. I mean, that's all that, you know, look, she's going to run on a, she's a politician. She's going to run on an issue. And the issue is law and order, crack down on crime, end the chaos, prosecute people, you know, return things back to the Richard Nixon days, you know, Ed Meese and the whole group in California. And, you know, it's a democracy. Um, there's a lot of people who, who want that. And she'll probably get a fair share of votes based on that. It's not my, you know, I, I believe the facts, um, the facts support doing something differently if you want a better result. So, you know, I'll disagree on the facts there. What's the best approach to solving crime? And that is clearly not the best approach. Nevertheless, there are a lot of people that will not spend the time, okay, the focus or just the resources, their own personal time to learn that that's not the right approach, that that's not going to work. Instead, sound bites, emotions, more outrage will get them to say, and that makes my mind up easy for me. That's, that's a lot easier. My mind is now made up, uh, you know, she's against crime. Yeah, she's going to send the bad people away. Okay, I'm for her. And in reality, you know, that's a sophomore and pretty, you know, kind of really surface, just, you know, on top of the surface kind of approach to uh, stopping crime or ending criminality. Can somebody who's not a Democrat win in California anymore? You know, I think they can. And I think the reason is, is because I'm of the belief that many people just aren't as politically aware or politically concerned as they should be. And as such, they will spend a minimal amount of time thinking about, you know, serious political issues and think, well, you know, there's a lot of Democrats already. How about if I, you know, cover my bases by voting over here and vote, you know, this way for this person? Um, you know, I honestly think that a Republican could win in California. I don't know if you could win by going that far to the right, but I do think it's interesting that she's running as an independent and announced that she's an independent and not a Republican, which I, you know, I mean, I don't know what that means, but it may prove harder for her. Who knows? But um, I, think it, I think a Republican could win a statewide office in California if they play their cards right. And I think Newsom could have lost, but they were so for Newsom was very fortunate, obviously, to have Elder join the race, who was just, you know, from Mars. And as a result, being from Mars, you know, he wasn't able to pull it off. But it was ripe for a moderate Republican, a Pete Wilson type of Republican, you know, to, to win it, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the last um what now 30 years i mean it it is interesting you know when i first started becoming a voter uh it was hard for democrats to win um and then um you know after 1994 um it the only real republican that's won statewide has been schwarzenegger mm -hmm. um so 
uh, I mean, it, it is an interesting political transformation that's happened in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, there's no dispute. I mean, that's, I, that's why I think it could go back a little bit. I don't think it's ever going to go back fully. Uh, I think California is, you know, just a different different bird in the political system. But um, I do think I, you, I could see a Republican winning a state white office here. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, you know, we've never been able to repeal the death penalty. Um, affirmative action went down in flames. But then on the same ballot, you know, Prop 20, which was Schubert's uh, initiative to roll back Prop 47, also went down in flames. So it was it's kind of a bizarre um, dynamic there. You know, I wonder if it, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting about the death penalty never being um, overturned here in California by the voters. It's very interesting. It's like the last vestige of, of voters trying to hold on to um the past in some way, like, well, we're not, I'm not willing to go that crazy out here. I'm still gonna allow the death penalty in certain circumstances. What's, what's, what's I think different too is the, the, the current Republican party because it's now the QAnon party. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, uh, they're calling, and Trump obviously, they're calling the shots. I mean, anybody wants to tell you otherwise is full of shit basically. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, they're, they're calling the shots. And, you know, that's not, you know, you know, that's not the Republican party I knew. You know, when uh, when I uh, flirted with being a Republican in the early 80s, actually. But I mean, it's so far, so far into zany, bizarre world that um, that party will never win. And that's what happened with Elder. I mean, I think Newsom was vulnerable. But, you know, people are thinking, well, maybe I'll vote against Newsom and see what the Republican Party can do. But their only real choice was Elder, who came off like, you know, a QAnon from Mars. And so... <clears throat> I think the Republican Party, as it's currently constituted nationwide, and if the California Republican Party continues to, you know, kowtow and, you know, bow down to that part of the party, they're never going to win anything big in California. I think they can win some small spots, but the only way a statewide office would go to a Republican if it was a much more moderate Republican Party. But they had the chance. I mean... Cox from San Diego ran, and uh, uh, the former mayor from San Diego also right. ran. I mean, you know, those guys pass for moderate um, these yeah. days. Um, I, I but I think they're tarnished. You know, it's a bleach that you can't, you know, get the stain out of, is that you're still part of that party. And I think California voters identify the Republican Party right now with Trump and with the QAnon and Marjorie Greene and all these people. And if, if that was gone, if Trump was out of the party and the party, you know, corrected itself and went back more, you know, more moderate, I think those those candidates would have had a better chance. I think so many people in California identify the Republican Party with with the Trump group. Let's go back to uh, Sacramento, because there are a couple more uh, interesting dynamics. Um, so what's your take on uh, the police chief retiring? And uh, I mean, was he good, bad? indifferent well what's interesting is that he did stand up to the da and to the sheriff to scott jones and to Amory schubert at one point during the height of the unrest about certain things where you know he stood up you know in my opinion for similarities and for for um civilized behavior on the part of law enforcement um and he took them on publicly and disagreed with them uh which is you know interesting to see usually they walk in lockstep because they're officers in the field or in the shoulder to shoulder and to see that dissension 
was interesting to see that conflict. Um, you know, I don't think you can ever point the finger too much at any leader of law enforcement as long as the law allows them to go as broad as they want to go. So I think the laws in California, unfortunately, the laws everywhere just favor the police so whole, you know, so wholeheartedly that you're just going to, you know, imagine that anybody's in that job is going to grow to the size of, of their limits. I think the individual officer on the street, the supervisor to the chief, if you can go this broad, you're going to go this broad. And it's just the nature of human behavior, I think. And so, you know, I think it's in the city councils and I think it's in the legislatures that it's really important that, you know, the police unions and the, you know, the police unions and the ability to make voters think, make elected officials think that if they are in some way uh, perceived as anti-police, they won't get reelected. I think that's like the most important part. The most important part is the laws as they are, and, and the laws not really encompassing real reform. There's nobody in the state legislature when you put a really strong police reform bill that will sign off on it because they know when they run for re-election, the police union will have the money, will have the organization, will run the ad that say you support the rape of little kids and you'll be thrown out of office. So there's no way you're signing off on a real reform bill. That goes for every city council and every state legislator. Yeah, it's just, you know, and, and Sacramento has a history of some pretty bad police incidents, you know. It's, it's um, abhorrent how much, how many millions and millions and millions of dollars, millions and millions and millions of dollars every year they spend, millions and millions of dollars, and there's no accountability. There's no accountability. There's no accountability. Howard Chan continues to get giant raises, and you say, Howard, I was just wondering, why do we write these giant checks out to all these poor plaintiffs that were, you know, tremendously, you know, damaged by excessive force? And, I mean, where's the accountability? It should be zero-based budgeting. It should be, hey, look, if, if we've paid this much in excessive force claims this year or the last five years, you know, look, if that doesn't go down in three years, your salary retroactively goes down. It should go the same for the police chiefs. And so, you know, they're playing with our money. They're playing with house money. And as a result, they don't give a damn. I mean, you know, they could care less. There's, you know, look, it doesn't come out of the officer's paycheck. Nothing happens to them. They can do whatever the heck they want because the law allows them to go this wide. If you narrow their legal abilities down to here, they'll act within there. They'll operate within there. But as long as they're this wide through cities and through the state legislature and the laws, I'm telling you, in court decisions, they're going to just go that broad. And that broad includes excessive force. So you're not very uh, optimistic in terms of a new chief and making change? I am uh, thrilled to hear that it's a woman. It's great to have a minority originally and now to have a woman. That's a step in the right direction, obviously. Um, that there needs to be more direction, though, because they do work for us. I mean, I, I think we've abandoned that thought since 9-11 and, you know, I think in the 80s and so forth, too. We've abandoned the thought that law enforcement works for us in any way. And it's it's a bunker mentality on their part. It's an us versus them. I mean, it's a bunker mentality on their part. And on our part, there's a lot of people who just abdicated and said, look, you know, oh, they don't work for us. You know, we, you know, we have to do what they say. They're not our, they don't work for us and all that. So my point is, what I'm really trying to say is, it doesn't matter who the police chief is, in some ways, if 
they aren't directed as an employee. If they are not an employee, okay, of a city government that is very, very restrictive on the use of excessive force or police brutality or the violation of rights or just inhumane treatment of people in any fashion, then it doesn't matter who the police chief is because you can have a great police chief, but if they're allowed to go, the city or the state allows them to go this wide within the law and not have a problem, their officers are going to do that because what's the chief going to say? Look, I want you to operate within here and the officers say, but the law allows me to go out to here. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know what to say. It's like having a different manager at at McDonald's, you know, for the state of California, a new regional director of McDonald's serving the same exact food. It's like, oh, you know, oh, we've got a, you know, a a female chief at McDonald's throughout the state. Well, they're going to serve the same food. So, you know, the direction needs to be, the direction really needs to be for extreme reform. I mean, extreme reform, because it's going to take so long. Gradual reform doesn't do anything. It needs to be extreme reform and give it some time because, you know, I just think that it's become, it's become an absolute police state. They subpoena you know, social media records for people. They're considering about charging. They subpoena their emails, their text messages. They're not charged with a crime, but they're thinking about charging them. And then, you know, obviously the policing is done in a completely racially disparate way. And I mean, even, you know, in Sacramento, they, you know, they prosecute Asian gangs like nobody's business. And they send a 14 year old away, away for 40 years. You know, they send a 15 or 16 year old Asian kid away for 50 years uh, because you know, he lives in a neighborhood where if he goes out his door and he doesn't do what they want, if he doesn't gang up with the guys, he's going to have the heck beat out of him. So, you know, to go outside the door, you have to join a gang. Once you join that gang, no matter what they do, if you get rolled in on it, the Sacramento County DA's office, that's gang case. You know, we're tough on gangs. He's going away for 40 years. It's genocide. They don't do that with white kids. You know, it's just, you know, kind of silly. You could be an East Sacker you know, land park or whatever, and you and your friends are skateboarding, you decide to call yourself a group and you start, you know, breaking windows or breaking into houses or cars or whatever. And I got to get charged with a gang enhancement. But, you know, if you're 15 years old and you're in South Sac and you're Asian and you walk out, you know, you, you spend a week in some gang because they make you, they make you join it. You have to join it. And then you're just a lookout for a rock, for a, for a burglary. You're a lookout for a small time drug deal or whatever. Hey man, you're a lookout for a gun deal. Hey, man, that's gang activity. You're going to go to prison and it's genocide. And so. um, So who needs to crack down on this? Is it the city council, the mayor, the governor, the legislature? I think the legislature. And that's going to be really hard to do because everybody knows, you know, the mother's milk of politics is money. And it's not like, you know, people in favor of progressive causes have a lot of money. Usually the downtrodden in society are, you know, by definition, they're downtrodden. And so, um, you know, when you go to the halls of the legislature, you can see the lobbyists are and they're never for, you know, there's, you know, there's not anybody walking around saying I'm the lobbyist for the poor people here. You know, you've got the ACLU and so forth and CACJ maybe, but, you know, they're outmanned, outgunned. I mean, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned. And um, the city council, though, I mean, the city could honestly, you know, if they really wanted to do something about police reform, and if they wanted to do something uh, about the prosecution decision in Sacramento Superior Court, you know, they, they could do something about the DA's office, and they could do something and make sure that the certain laws are enforced a certain way. But there has to be that desire to do it, and it's just not going to happen. Um, and, and let's talk about the sheriff. I mean, um, 
what what are your thoughts on the sheriff the sheriff is uh retiring as well um you know uh what does that race look like that's a really large department with a lot of resources and a lot of money accountable for a large swath of you know of real estate and but it does you know it does have a strong backing of kind of the law and order group i mean it doesn't really cover the you know the urban area of sacramento which can be a little more progressive and so as a result, it's got, you know, the suburbs, which are the suburbs for a reason, you know, people live out there for a reason. And, uh, you know, the reason is, you know, as we all know, and so they live out there, they vote that way. So, I mean, it doesn't matter who the sheriff is. You know, I know Jim Cooper's probably going to win it no matter what, but, you know, he's a, he's an officer's officer. I mean, he's a cop's cop and, uh, you know, he's not going to be for any kind of reform because if the law allows you to go this way, you're going to go this way if you're employed in that area. And so uh, there's no way the Board of Supervisors is going to be taken over by a bunch of extreme liberals who are going to say, look, we got to completely, completely, you know, uh, reform the sheriff's department as far as, you know, how they respond to how they respond to crime, how they respond to, you know, calls and, you know, their use of force policy. I mean, you know, it's just it's it's disgusting to watch as a human being when you watch someone's been shot in a police use of force and they've been shot and they've been shot six times. Stefan Clark. And, you know, they walk up, you know, after five minutes of the person bleeding out. And the first thing they do is they handcuff them. Yeah. The guy who just shot six times, man, you better watch out. <laughs> he may bleed all over you if you don't handcuff him. I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's just, it's, it's a bunker mentality that's developed. That's not going to change overnight in Sacramento or anywhere. And I think, I don't know if people want change, to be honest with you. I mean, there's people like me that want change, but, you know, I think you could get me and 13 others and that'd be about it in a county of over a million people. So. Well, it is kind of interesting. I mean, Sheriff Jones kind of pulled the same uh, deal uh, with the inspector general that uh, the uh, LA um, sheriff uh, Villanueva did. Um, the, the, uh, Seemed like the board of supervisors down in LA were a little bit more more proactive about trying to get back at him, but uh, about the same effect, uh, they weren't the able effect. to do anything. Yeah, when you kick Rick Brazil out and you say you don't trust Rick Brazil, I mean, honestly, at that point, this guy has more integrity than anybody that's been in law enforcement that I'm aware of in 50 years. So uh, when you kick Rick Brazil out and say I don't trust this guy, you know, he's a hatchet job, you know, from and. and and, and sadly, Sacramento has been the, um, unfortunately, has been a place where some horrible politics from the sheriff and the DA has taken place. There have been tragedies where people were shot and killed. And the first thing they have to say is misinformation, untrue information about how it happened and blaming, blaming progressive causes or those who are in favor of reform. And, you know, that type of knee-jerk playground you know, elementary school name calling type of argument is so unbecoming of, you know, people in these positions and a place that I, you know, love and would like to see, become, you know, see it become a real, you know, you know, a real city and not just some backwater, you know, backwater. Some right wing Trump supporting sheriff win in a basically blue county. Yeah, well, that's because I don't think people, um, I don't know if people really pay attention enough, and I don't think if pe I don't think people are as 
politically astute as, as I wish they were. And, um, you know, honestly, you know, John McGinnis is one of the first go-tos to be interviewed by all of the local media on police use of force. This is a guy, in, I think it was a 2017, said that blacks had it better before the civil rights movement. He said before the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 64, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, this is anyway, I, I just and they go to him. You know, Hey, let's go talk to John McGinnis, you know, former police officer, you know, police captain or a sheriff. I'm sorry, former sheriff, you know, sure. He's a friendly, big, nice Irish guy and, you know, from central casting for us. But on the other hand, you know, I mean, it doesn't, you know, to, to make the statement that he made is so far removed from factual from facts and from reason or real political knowledge, it's like somebody's senile grandfather on the porch saying, oh, hell, uh, you know, blacks used to have a much better under slavery. And they go to him and say, hey, there's been a shooting. Let's see what, you know, John McGinnis at KFBK has to say. I don't even know the guy, but I mean, I'm just watching and thinking, well, I heard him say that. How, you know, how, how do you resurrect your career? Well, I mean, that was pretty interesting. And you and I both worked on that one. Um, because uh, what had happened was uh, you were representing one of the co-defendants in the Davis uh, um, picnic day. Oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about something else. I saw him recently talking. They go to him all the time. He he gets up there and Davis was going to hire him to be the investigator on that. That's right. And and so I start Googling around and I find this interview and I post uh, an article on that. And all of a sudden, like, uh, I've never I've never had as quick a reaction as I had when when that one went up, because uh, I think the article was up by six and by 12. He had uh, stepped down from doing that. And unfortunately, they they put McGregor on. It was just as bad, but uh, I don't know if he was great in my interviews with my client. So, I mean, I couldn't have, I don't know what the final report was, but I thought Greg Scott did a great job. And I also thought he was going to be so biased like McGinnis that I thought, I can't believe you're going to bring McGregor Scott in. And I was extremely impressed with how he handled my client and the relationship with my client, the interview and the report on what happened with my client. I never saw the final report. I saw the final report. So, so we, I think it's because Davis buried it, actually. Davis buried the report. Yeah. And then what happened was they hired, um, uh, what, what's his name, uh, Michael Giannacco, uh as the independent police auditor. And, and he did like the synopsis of it, which kind of buried the cops in that case. So, it ended up okay, but well, I think McGregor. I, as far what I saw happening, I was really impressed with McGregor Scott's independence um, and his uh, open-mindedness and willingness to let the chips fall where they may. He did a factual investigation, and from what I was observing, I was like, "Well, this is a great independent investigation." Especially in light of the fact I forgot about that that he had replaced the John McGinnis. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, it's just that's Sacramento. I mean, you know, honestly, you know, um, you know, I'm pretty sure Amish Reece Schubert in 2016 voted for Trump, too. And so you have a Trump DA and a Trump sheriff. And, you know, it, look, it, it, probably the most significant thing to me that speaks the loudest about the state of affairs in America is January 6th a year ago. OK, I mean, they really were trying to violently overthrow the government. I mean, how you want to spin it. I mean, they invaded the Capitol to prevent the other person from being elected the president by 
by, you know, they were by force. So if there were anybody in law enforcement out there, I mean, we need this. Come on. It's that's treason. I, I, look, it is treason. So it's treason. It's what it is. It's actually treason. You can't violently overthrow a democratically elected government in America. So, you know, Scott Jones was asked, were any of your officers out there? And he refused to participate other than that the officers only had were uh, within their First Amendment rights, obviously. And, you know, just everybody in the media and everybody in Sacramento just walked away from it. Oh, well, we asked him, what are you talking about? Were any of your deputy sheriffs out there? Because if they are, their mental health, they're not qualified to be. In, they're, look, you're not allowed to walk down the street with a gun loaded for a good reason, right? Except one person is allowed to be a police officer. And the police officer is allowed to shoot, okay? And all they have to have is reasonable cause. And what would a reasonable person think? And worst case scenario, it's, you know, a loose job. Worst case scenario, voluntary manslaughter, whatever. So they're the only ones who get to have this loaded weapon walking down the street in a free society, right? And so we asked this person, hey, you know, anybody employed in your department, are they a complete wingnut? A complete, you know, completely divorced from reality? And were they out there exhibiting clearly, you know, it's, come on, man, no effing mental health to be allowed to walk around as one of the few people licensed to carry a firearm. And he says, well, uh, you, know, the, you know, there were a few that were out there. The kid that was within their First Amendment rights. It's like, you know, come on, man. Seriously. You want to talk about going, walking down? I mean, literally, the police state comes to America through the ballot box. Yeah. Well, I, I really worry about what happens next time because it was almost like a dry run. Yeah, they've got it set up to, they've got, obviously, as you know, they, they're no fools, it's not that hard. If you really care, if you really, really care about something and you tend to it, you put a lot of resources into it and time into it, you'll be more successful than the other side. And the Republican the QAnon uh, part now has taken over and they've gone everywhere in every state and they've taken over the, you know, the lowest level election officials They've taken over the jobs for, you know, school boards. They've taken over the jobs for, you know, those who certify the elections, those who count the ballots. So the, um, they're, you know, kind of like, you know, this massive, like, you know, Hitler mobilization. I mean, they've, they've gone small for a reason. And they've, so my point is, I think that um, if they win the House in 2022, in 2024, Trump just says he's announced he's going to run. He doesn't, he doesn't even have to campaign. He has, to, he has to wait for November for his, everybody he's got in all the states to just, you know, certify him as the as the winner. And I mean, Trump, if, if the if the if the QAnon group takes over the House in 2022, um, I believe that Trump could announce he's going to run in 2024 and not bother campaigning, not have a debate, not do anything, because in November, I mean, they'll just certify the results for him and he'll be dictator again, you know, and the, the rest of the party is so afraid of this cult of personality for some reason that, you know, other than Liz Cheney and she'll probably be, you know, she'll probably be hung up publicly and executed at that point, along with um, um, any other Republicans that dare, you know, to speak out. I have so, a very, 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 very concerned view of the facts as they're developing. And it's kind of like why America, excuse me, it's kind of like while America slept. I mean, I just think, you know, we're sleeping and, you know, some people are, you know, crying about it to everyone. Hey, look what's going on. But on the other hand, uh, you know, that's not enough. So, yeah. Um, so 
kind of last question. I mean, you're you're in the courts all the time in 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 Sacramento. What do you see there? I mean, are you concerned about what you're seeing? Hopeful. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that if uh, I thought if Miss Matthews wins the DA's office, uh, I think she's going to apply more science-based approach, you know, factual-based approach to um, making Sacramento much safer, much safer for everyone, um, for everybody, and make it a much better place. And that's the hard thing to do, and it's a lot of work, but she's definitely up to the task. If she doesn't win, you're just going to see the same old as before, probably worse. Bigger, harder sentences, um, less fairness, less justice. You're going to see a lot of, you know, officer-involved shootings that don't get prosecuted. And uh, you're going to see a lot of the gap between, you know, those who feel they're part of the fabric of, of a community and those who think that they should be the ones making all the decisions is going to get bigger and bigger in my opinion. And um, it's going to, it's, it's not something I'd like to see. We can do better. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts. Welcome to my uh, welcome to my messy home home back office that I'm in tonight. <laughs> this has been Everyday Injustice. We've been talking with Mark Reichel, an attorney in Sacramento, uh, about pretty much all things Sacramento. This has been Everyday Injustice. I'm your host, David Greenwald, and join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.